Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano, and I'm here with my ever lovely and so amazing co-host, Mariah of Mariah Creates. And in today's episode, we are continuing the theme of paper after having talked with the super, super sweet Sharon of Press Paper Plus Print last week. This week, we are talking about what the heck is up with the paperweights. What's going on with them? It's so confusing. Yeah. Paperweights are a really confusing way to describe what thickness or what size or what measurement the paper is. So it's a very confusing system because there are three different systems um, and a lot of fine details. So we're going to try and break it all down for you and make it way less confusing. So yes. hopefully um, we can do that for you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you understand why 80 pound text paper is actually lighter than a 65 pound cover paper. So confusing. Because that is very confusing. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Classic. Classic. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how much research I did because I was like, this is so confusing. I need to like simplify this as much as possible. And I did find some really great like charts and stuff out there. So I'll make sure that the sh- like those are shared in the links because having like a visual is always super helpful for me personally. Mm -hmm. So, all right, we're going to break it down kind of in a couple different ways. And then we'll talk about like, you know, what kind of paper we like to use when we're printing letterpress um, and how that differs and why it's important to use that type of paper when you're printing. Um, Because there's so much nuance to paper, as we all know. Um, But yeah, let's, uh, let's get into this. Okay, so first thing we're going to do is break down kind of the basic categories, the different types of paper and how they're classified, because this is really important to like the weights, talking about like why that 80 pound text paper is different than that 65 pound cover paper. Um, These are like how those weights are divided and how they're measured. And it has a lot to do with the um, like sizes of the parent sheets based on the different type of paper. So they're kind of intermingled. Um, It sounds really confusing. So we're going to try and sort it out for you here. So the lightest type of paper uh, category, we're all familiar with like house printer, copier paper, text weight paper. Um, That's considered quote unquote bond paper. And those weights usually start at about 16 pounds and go up to like 36 pounds. So there's like nicer you know, printer paper out there. That's the heavier weights, the 30 pound, you know, printer paper, but there's lighter ones that are like your super efficient recycled, like you print emails out on it kind of paper. Um, those are good for, you know, fax machines and any printer, whether it's home or office. Um, and then there's midweight, you know, bond paper for reports and legal documents, things that need to be a little bit heavier and, uh, even heavier for double-sided printing and stuff like that too. So thicker, copy paper for double-sided printing, lighter copier paper for just super disposable stuff. 
Um, the next weight kind of classification is going to be cover. And that's definitely what you, Jillian, and I use most often. Um, we definitely use a lot of thicker stuff, but most cardstock cover weight paper is anywhere between 60 and like 120 pounds. That's going to be business cards, door hangers, uh, retail like tags, table covers tents, for books, covers for books. Yeah. Anything that needs to like have a little bit of stiffness to it, but you still want to be able to print. Um, that kind of falls into this category, right? And then there's other types out there too. So paper for actual books, like the inside pages, that is usually kind of its own category and it ranges like 30 to 115 pound paper. A lot of times that paper is actually uncoated, which we'll talk about later. Newspaper also uncoated, which uh, we all know about the like ink rubbing off on your fingers, right? That's because of the type of ink, but also the type of paper they're using. And then there's like tag paper, there's uh, what they call index paper, which is like literally index cards that like weight and that material. So there's a lot of different categories, but the two we're really concerned with are bond or text weight papers and cover, which is cardstock. So those are kind of the two important ones to what we do. Um, gosh, there's just like so many like little bits and pieces in that, like in those categories yeah. too, like vellum and tag and index are all their own categories, but I think these two like generalized versions are, are key. So, okay. I have a question. Yeah. Do we know, or like, I wonder how all of the, like, why is it called bond paper? Do we know? Um, I think it had to do with like, okay, bond. I don't know, but like a lot of the names have to do with like what they're used for. Like, so there's bond, there's index, there's tag, there's cover, there's vellum. Yeah. I asked Google. There you go. Bond paper. Um, the name comes from originally having been made for documents such as government bonds. Yeah. Which is so say. cool. And yeah, now well, it's like- used for like letterhead and other stationery. And that's so true. Like when you think about printer paper, that is like your classic document weight yeah. paper. Yeah. And like, I mean, index category because it was made for like index cards and for like um, – index like and for like manila folders that's like in that falls in the index category you know anything like you would use to like sort through in a binder or a folder like those all kind of fall into the same realm too you know and tag is its own category as well which is literally like the weight you would use in like a retail tag or like <laughs> it's you know there a lot of these names come from what they originally used for you know like they probably started as like one mill made this one index paper and so they called it index paper and so then other people recreated that weight or that texture or whatever and they're like we'll call it index paper too because that's how we market it to people who are buying it from our competitor you know like that's how names evolve right like yeah that's Yeah. Yeah. I was really curious about the bond one though. Cause I was like, cover makes sense to me. Index makes sense to me. Tag makes sense to me. I'm like, what is bond? But if you think about it, like we're not really from the era of like getting government bonds. So totally. Yeah. Um, do those even still exist? Do they even get printed anymore? I don't know. Um, Uh, I know, I know they exist if you have them because uh, (laughs) we just cashed out some of our like fully matured bonds. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well, so the categories come into play with the weight as well. So like, okay, we've talked about why it's a certain category and that those categories have generally, those categories have general weight classifications. But so what's important to basis weight, which is the system that the U.S. measures paper in, is the parent sheet. So most of us get our copy paper in eight and a half by 11 or legal size. So eight and a half by 14, right? So like 
those are standard sizes, but those are cut down from an original paper size. So the mills make them in huge rolls and to distribute them, they cut them into sheets and those are called parent sheets or they're uncut form. And every category has a different parent sheet size. And this is where the weights get really confusing. So <laughs> you're covered. Like first dirt. off, first yeah, off, why? Literally, you why? know, you know that like, trending you know, sound. Rolls are probably the same size, or at least they're close to. You know, like right. You know that trending sound on Instagram right now, where it's like, well, first off, why? Second off, how come? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that is really suitable for here because it's like, okay, first off, why did they have to make different size parent sheets? And then second off, like none of these parent sheets add up t- to nice to sizes the same thing. that yeah. we use. So it's yeah. like there was always going to be waste. And like, I'm sure that's probably so you could like trim off all the edges so that you're always getting like virgin edges. But like, I, yeah, I also none of have it makes to sense. say like, I bet you that like... <laughs> All of these weights probably are for a reason, but that reason probably no longer is valid. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like they probably made index parent sheets in 25 by 30 because they were cutting something down to five by six. And now we don't use whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's true, probably like, true. they were probably doing it for some reason, but like modern technology, like kind of has, I don't know, whatever. Um, or even okay. just the American measurements. Like, I'm sure ours are so different. Yeah. Well, I mean, the U.S. always uses the weird measurements, but um, yeah, papers do have a metric weight as well. So we'll go over that. Okay, okay. So the U.S. basis weight, which is the weight of 500 sheets in uncut form. So 500 parent sheets of a category, the weight of that is the weight that is listed as the paper weight. So yeah. 500 sheets of text weight bond paper at 17 inches by 22 inches weighs, let's say, 20 pounds. Your paper will say 20-pound paper on the package when it's cut down. No matter what size they cut it down to, it'll say 20-pound paper. So it could be cut down to 5 by 7, could be cut down to 8.5 by 11. It's still going to say 20-pound on there. So the weight is not necessarily that package that you're getting at the store. <laughs> it is the parent sheet size and a full 500 ream. A 500 sheet ream. So, you know what? Um, I'm finally just getting why this makes sense. Because, like, yeah. of course, the paper is going to be cut down into a million sizes. So, you don't want to have to come up with like a number for each of those sizes. Totally. And then, like, I mean, really, to me, I would always just go off thickness, but I guess that, like, I guess you could probably have paper that's the same thickness, but a different weight because of the density of the paper. you can. And we'll get into that too. But um, this makes so much sense now. I agree with you. Like now that you like, once you think about it, you're like, oh, because if you imagine (laughs) if we really wanted to be classic Americans and take each package of cut down paper that started out as all the same weight, but then determine the different weight based on the size we cut it down to, like, can you imagine we would probably do that? But that sounds absolutely terrible. Like, yeah, that's 10 times more confusing than this already is. So um, yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. So the general sizes of parent sheets, just for reference, um, I actually didn't know that they were all different. I just assumed that like a parent sheet size was going to be a parent sheet size because I actually do buy full parent sheets from my local paper distributor. And what we buy most often is cotton cardstock for letterpress, right? And that comes in 20 by 26 size sheets, um, 20 by 26 inches. And I actually have 
I've definitely purchased 26 by 40 sheet at some point. So I don't know what that would be considered because it's not on my list here. So I have questions, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) so cover paper is generally going to be parent sheet sizes of 20 inches by 26 inches. Um, Bristol or vellum paper, it's going to be like, some of them said 22 by 28. Some of them said 22 and a half by 28 and a half. So I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, bond weight paper. So you're like talk your text, your copy paper is 17 by 22, which anyone know what that divides into evenly? Eight and a half by 11. Yeah. Look at them. They're so clever. So that answers that okay, question. That's I suppose. the only smart one I've seen so far. Yeah. But that's my point. Like, that's why I think the other ones probably have a reason. We just don't know what it is. Like there must yeah. be a destination cut size that these parent sheets are all made for, but. Well, you know what? I'm wondering what the usual size of a book cover is, you know, cause it has to be bigger than the each individual page. Cause it also has to wrap around the spine. Um, I would guess it's like, I don't know, 10 by Seven and a half. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> wait a second. 20 by 26, that would be, yeah, because you'd get almost an even like A7 size out of that un- unfolded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, we'll yeah, do some anyway. math and let you know. Um, okay, I will so- do no math, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So bond, we now know, breaks down to an even letter size. So that's interesting. Um, the index we talked about is 25 inches by 30 inches. And then tag category paper whatever i mean retail tags i guess that seems very specific but has its own parent sheet size of 24 by 36 so clearly it's important enough um yeah that's just we're gonna have to like i'm gonna have to do some math to figure out like what sizes are we trying to get to with these i also think it's really interesting that the largest one is the tag one which in my head is immediately the smallest thing that you're gonna cut it down to right (laughs) why well, because they need, they probably want to make them in bulk and it's, it's probably easier to like print however many tags they could get on one big sheet and then just like cut them all. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, also that paper, if you think about tag paper, it's really dense. So I'm assuming one of the constraints of making a paper size is will it hold up? And like you and I know yeah. that like the large cotton parent sheets that we buy they're kind of fragile like not super kind fragile, of but... super fragile <laughs> okay like okay your paper cutter will dent them like you get like sometimes you get scratches in them like I have to be super careful if I open up packages with scissors, like scissors oh I feel yeah like yeah get... no you're you know, absolutely get... right in that regard I was just thinking like when you pick up a sheet like it's not like it falls apart like a piece of tissue paper does yeah but it definitely is not as sturdy as like a dense cardstock would be like a like an index or something yeah, yeah that's true so um tag also could I mean I don't know I guess like it's probably like the cheapest too so they're probably like make it big who cares you know what I mean yeah, it's not going to be like the highest quality material that they're they're worried about. Okay, so that's the U.S. basic uh, basis weight system, and most papers, like especially in the cardstock realm um, that we use, and I think a lot of coffee paper and stuff too, has a metric system um, as well, which is called grammage, which I really loved. I don't know why, but that sounded really fun grammage. to me. Grammage, yeah. 
Um, so the metric measurement is a little, I think it's a little more logical, but I also think that's pretty standard for the metro system versus U.S. Uh, imperial system. So <laughs> I don't think that's a big surprise to anyone. Um, so a sheet of paper, any size, cut down into one meter by one meter. Look at that. So not any it, size. Use, well, it's, it, they can start any size. doesn't matter. Oh, okay. The original size okay. is irrelevant. We're cutting whatever it is down to one meter by one meter. So a square meter. So then the measurement is GSM, which is grams per square meter, which makes a lot of sense. So then you don't have to indicate what it is, right? Exactly. So since the paper is always the same, it's like a really clear across the board representation of weight because like no matter what type of paper it is, the weight is always going to be the actual weight of one square meter. So like, you know what I mean? Your cotton paper, maybe it's more confusing. I I would suppose like when you have like a really like loose stock like cotton paper versus a really dense stock, like the weight could be really similar, but the feel of it would be really different. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it would Mm -hmm. like look twice as thick, even though it was the same weight kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise I feel like this is a pretty like streamlined, efficient way to measure paper weight. Yeah. And if you notice listeners and you're shopping for cotton, well, if you're shopping for any paper, but like when you're going to look at cotton paper specifically, it's always like, 110 pound slash 300 GSM. Like you'll always have access to both of those specs. And it's just really good to know like the difference between them because like Mariah is saying, the like confusion of the different paper categories makes the number you're seeing almost untrustworthy when you're going the pound route, the basis route. Yeah. But GSM is straightforward. Like, you know when something is going to be heavier because it just has more grams per square inch. (laughs) Square meter. (laughs) Sorry. Grams per square meter. Sorry. Can you imagine? It'd be like, this is a three pound paper. (laughs) I'd like to see that actually. Uh, I love it. Per square inch. I'm dying. I love it. Um, okay, so the last system, and I don't feel like I like. I wish I had. I think I've ripped off all the packaging for all my paper that I have in house. But um, there's also the point system. So this is actually like a physical measurement rather than a weight, and it uses a caliper to weigh like the exact thickness of a piece of paper. So when we're talking about like the cotton stock, which is really fluffy, being cut down to a square meter versus a dense chipboard that's, you know, mm-hmm. super dense and, and really compact down to a square meter. They might weigh the same, but be different thicknesses. The caliper point system is there to kind of, I think, balance that. So between the three systems, you've really got an efficient way of knowing what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I actually, like, I've found that because I never looked at the point system or the caliper of weight, but for printers, it comes uh, really in handy if you want to do any kind of embossing on your press and you're going to use two plates, a a male and a female plate. Um, I really had to do a lot of research on how to set the artwork up and the amount of space to leave between the male and the female plate so that the paper isn't getting cut like a die cut, but it's actually like it has room to be like pressed in between them. And you really need to know what the caliper dimension is, the points on your 
your paper to be able to do that. What's really confusing is, though, that those points are different, the ratio. So one point is one one thousandth of an inch. So if you take a, a pair of very fine-tuned calipers and you went up to your cardstock and you tuned it in and you got the thousandth of an inch, whatever it is, that's going to be how many points thickness your paper is. Now, that does not mean you go into Illustrator and make sure that there is that many points yeah, of space. Yeah, in your stroke or whatever, yeah. In your stroke because in Illustrator, one seventy-second of an inch. So you actually have to do, and it's both of them are called points, you actually have to go in and do that conversion of like, okay, this is whatever, like, seven thousandths of an or seven hundredths of an inch let's say like this is seven hundredths of an inch you have to figure out what seven hundredths of an inch is converted to the points in illustrator um, to be able to make sure you're leaving enough space and then you might even want to leave a little bit more because it might help you know if you're embossing you have to play around with it but that is really confusing, and that was the first time that I used this specific system to figure out which paper weight I wanted to use yeah. uh, to be able to make my embossing plate. So that's a um, that's a really good point, Jillian. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say that this this point, thank you. This point system is also I also saw it referred to as Mills M I L S system. So maybe. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe that's why this, like, maybe that one has another name. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe points for type is actually accurate, and this one is also is known as mills. I don't know. Anyway. I don't think there's anything that's accurate. I think yeah. everyone on a different corner of the world decided they were going to measure stuff this their own way the united states just went and screwed it up with all these inches and feet and whatever yeah yeah weren't we talking the other day about how type high is different on european presses and presses made in asia were we talking about that yeah we were and and i i don't really know what the situation is between all the presses but i will tell you this uh there's not a damn thing that's type high about Gordy. Like <laughs> it just I can't get the math to work out. Like no matter what the rails or the rollers would be, like he he would have had to have massive uh trucks on his rollers to accommodate type high because when yeah. you just put no tape, no nothing just the standard trucks, the standard rollers on his thing. I think it's like 0.7 from Wild. the back from the back of the platen up until like the front edge of the roller. Weird. It's so much thinner than type high. That's weird. Yeah. Well, season two of Hot Off the Press, we'll get into type high and maybe we'll take a little European vacation and go exploring. <laughs> <laughs> season two jill's gonna have a professional come look at her press and yeah. uh we'll dish Yo, all mark, the deets. where you at <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh, we can talk about that right now really quick um yeah so next week the episode that's coming out mariah and i will be talking to the team that runs the international printing museum here in carson california and let me tell you it is such a good episode 
Yeah, it was so great to talk to them. And the International Print Museum is such an amazing resource. So we're super excited to uh, to share that episode with you all next week. Yeah. Okay, but now let's dive back into paper. Yeah, back into it. So, all right. I think this is a really great time for us to break it down and give you a literal scale of the weights. So you have like a reference. Um, get your pen and paper out, everyone, because you're going to want to remember these. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so lighter weight paper, and then we're going to work our way down to like the extra heavy stuff. So 110 GSM paper is also known as 74 pound text weight paper. So 110 GSM is the same as 74 pound text paper. Mm-hmm. Confusing? Yes, but we're going it, to, it's okay. This system is going to help it's us. Okay. Um, 120 GSM is equal to about 80 pound text weight paper. I think that's like a pretty standard, like those are pretty like common, common sizes, right? Okay. So medium, like, you know, greeting card paper, this uh, starts to get into a thickness where like before you fold it, you're going to want to score it just to make it all nice and pretty. Um, 160 GSM is about 59 pound cover weight paper. 175 GSM is equal to about 65 pound cover. And now we're into calipers, 12 point on the Mills system. So that's like, I think the first like point that you usually see yeah. for like a cardstock. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the common cardstock too. That's 65 yeah. pound. Yep, yeah. That's like your run of the mill, like buy it at office store. Michaels. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, it should go Both through points. almost any printer. Yeah. Um, all right. A little bit heavier. So 215 GSM is equal to about 80 pound cover. I think that's a pretty standard weight also. Mm-hmm. 250 GSM gets you to about 92 pound cover and about 13 point on the Mills system. Okay. 270 GSM equals 100 pound cover and is about 14 points on the Mills system. So kind of a bigger jump there. But this is, I think, like for most invitations, probably like the lowest end you'll be printing on, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think also kind of the extent of what most home printers can print on. So that's like, that's like your standard kind of everyday, like weights. Those are the stuff that you'll see pretty readily and be able to buy at any store. Um, what Jillian and I both work with most often is the extra heavy stuff. (laughs) So starting at about 298 GSM. So right about that 300 GSM mark, which I think is what most of these are labeled as is 110 pound cover. And that is on the caliper mills scale, about 16 points. And then there's uh, 350 GSM, which is 130 pound cover. And that's about 18 points on the mill scale. And it goes up from there. I don't know what, I guess, 110 pound cover would probably equal about to 600 GSM. Um, that's our like double thick the cotton two, paper. The 220. Yeah, 220 yeah, or 236 two. pound, depending on your mill. So that's extra heavy stuff. And it's not really bendable in regular printers because it doesn't go around rollers well. Um, and it doesn't like you know, a lot of times regular printers roll over a roller to come back out. So um, you would need like a pass through uh, printer to get those get those going. But even my printer can't do a lot of those. (laughs) And what's interesting is like paper genuine or generally like stops being manufactured at this weight here, like the 110, 130 section. And then all the stuff that you see and buy that's called double thick paper, it's because it's literally double thick. Like they take two two sheets, sheets. 
Yeah, two sheets of the 110 pound and they glue them together, duplex them into 220. Same thing with like, uh, you know, the 118 is duplexed into 236. And a lot of people, you just don't know it. There's so much about the printing industry that's a, a little bit behind a curtain and it's kind of magical and fanciful and like you just get your business cards and you don't even think about what has gone, gone into them. But because a lot of machines have rollers they're not printing on 220 or 236 they're printing on like a single ply and then it's being duplexed after the fact yeah Yeah, because the paper doesn't bend very easily um you can't you just like physically can't send it through a lot of printers so that's why it's so great for letterpress and that's why a lot of letterpress printers you know specialize in that because we don't require a round surface um our presses literally our paper never hits a circle uh, or hits like anything round except the rollers uh, that get ink on the press. Like, so, you know, it's of a very flat surface and we don't require any bending or the paper doesn't need to go around anything. It just gets put right in there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's why, that's why this paper is specifically so common in letterpress um, because it's one of the few methods that have no problem printing it. Yeah. Perfect. So let's get into the paper finishes and then talk about the paper that we use for letterpress specifically, because we've kind of touched on it here and there, but um, we'll get into like what we've both used, what we've liked and what we have not liked, perhaps. Um, We can (laughs) tell you a little about our our successes and our failures, as always. Um, So there's two main like types of paper finishes. And the first is coated. The second is uncoated. And um, so what that means, coated paper, literally, there's a ton of different types of coatings that you can get on paper. Um, it's really just like an actual finish. It has an agent added to the surface of the paper that fills in those little gaps and voids of the fibers. So whatever fiber the paper is made out of, it doesn't matter. It could be cotton, it could be recycled, it could be just wood, pulp, whatever. Um, but coated means that there is an, some kind of agent added to the surface and that agent could be matte, it could be glossy, it could be super high shine, it could be metallic, it could be anything. Um, but the end result is that it's smoother in texture. Um, it's also less absorbent. So when you're printing, uh, whether it's inkjet or laser, it's going to sit on the surface of the paper rather than be absorbed into it. And um, that means that like it'll be a little more resistant to dirt and moisture and going through the mail. Like think about a postcard. You wouldn't want to send, you know, 100% cotton paper in as a postcard because it would just like get destroyed on the way there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so that's definitely something to consider when you're thinking about what type of printing you're going to be doing, but also what are you going to be using that paper for? Um, you know, uncoated is not the answer for everything and coded isn't the answer for everything either. So, um, yeah, so it, you know, it has a lot of purpose. Um, it can also like when you're printing images, it can be sharper, crisper images. It can be brighter colors, more saturated, um, coated paper handles like a flood print better because it's not absorbing it. So it's going to be more consistent across the whole page, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Yeah. And it's brighter because it's reflecting the light better. Like an uncoated stock is literally absorbing the light. Yeah. And the ink. And the ink, like because it's on the surface, it's not hidden underneath layers of fiber. It's right there. So the colors will be more vibrant and and brighter. Um, So I think that's really interesting. Why don't you talk about the uncoated papers? I would love to, as I just take a giant swig of water. (laughs) Excellent timing, Mariah. (laughs) Excellent timing. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Okay, so uncoated stock. This is 
typically what you are using as a letterpress printer. It's not to say that you can't print on coated stock, just takes a few extra steps, yada, yada. But uncoated, this is our like comfy zone. It's going to have a rougher texture because obviously there's no coating to fill in between the fibers. It's more por- it's more porous and absorbent. So the ink is actually like seeping into the uncoated paper. And because it's not shiny, it's actually supposed to be easier to read large amounts of text like books and newspapers. So think of like even if you're looking at your phone and there's a glare on your phone, like it's instantly harder to read. So the best thing about uncoated socks is it's like always a matte finish and the light is being absorbed into the paper, which allows it's not like reflecting back into your eyes. Yeah. Um, so these are really good for and honestly, like not to brag, but it's kind of why letterpress invitations tend to photograph the best, even yeah. if like you don't because a lot of photographers over whitewash their photos. Over-expose. So you may not. Yeah, they'll they'll overexpose their their photos. So you may not see the like impression as much from like an above photo or whatever but you're actually seeing like where the text is on the page and that's because it's an uncoated stock is use as soon as you use anything that's coated or even if you do like a a full bleed of like laser print because that kind of has like a shine to it you're going to get some refraction and you're going to lose a little bit of the clarity of the artwork within the photo yeah anyway humble brag letterpress is better (laughs) (laughs) our usual stance but you know (laughs) add that list to the reason why yeah (laughs) right it's also really good to write on too because if you think about it like um and and I actually I want to kind of separate these two because there's uncoated stocks that are much more dense and smoother than say the cottons that we use so there are some uncoated stocks that are just a freaking joy to write on because your pen just seamlessly glides across it. And um, that's kind of really important for calligraphers as well. It's hard to do calligraphy on the cotton stocks because it's There's soft so many fibers, so many fibers, your nib is getting caught. The fibers are pulling the ink. Yeah. yeah. So knowing your papers, knowing the texture of it, knowing how different inks respond to it, like that's what's going to make you, you know, the professional that you are. But um, writing on is one of the things where like you could break the uncoated category down even further into like sheets where ink gets absorbed and sheets where like it runs and all that kind of stuff. But an example of one that like isn't cotton paper that you typically letterpress on but is really a great uncoated stock to like write on make greeting cards out of and all of that is mohawk super fine eggshell because it's smooth it you know it just like gel pen ballpoint pen uh calligraphy like dip ink like all of it is going to work really well laser print inkjet whatever on a mohawk super fine not all of that works super well on like a cotton, like a Letra or a Nina or a Savoy. Well, and also, so the Mohawk range is really interesting because the Superfine comes in eggshell and it comes in smooth. And that actually tells you right there that the smooth is their coated version and their eggshell, because it's more textured, is uncoated. I actually did not know that until this episode. Um, 
I didn't but I either. Was... I honestly always thought smooth just meant that it was a smooth, uncoated I thought stock. so too. But it's it's smooth because it's coated and the eggshell is uncoated. So I thought that was really interesting and very helpful information that no one had ever told us yet. Thank you. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're like a calligrapher, but you're trying, like you want a stock that's easy to write on, but you're trying to also match this other thing, I think that's really helpful to know because the colors are the same. It's just coded versus uncoded. So, um, and also if you're a letterpress printer that's doing like one piece is letterpress and one piece is digital, you know, maybe you go with the eggshell for the letterpress and the smooth for the digital. Might work out great. You never know. Yeah. So anywho, I thought that was really helpful and interesting. I loved that. Yeah. Um, I learned something new today. Yay! I'm so glad to hear it. I love when our podcast teach us teaches. Okay, honestly, though, almost every episode, I think I've learned like so many things because we do a lot of research for this stuff because we want to obviously we don't want to be like just spouting out information. And like, we've learned random tips and trips tricks along the way, but we certainly don't believe that we know everything. Uh, or otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And <laughs> so it's fun when we actually like, learn something right. that's very helpful to us um without any research i was just ready to show up to this episode and say paperweights are confusing af yeah drive me nuts (laughs) yeah drive seriously nuts but i did know i did know the thing about the points because because of the embossing thing right yeah and nobody told me about the points being different so like the first time i went to go make my plates (laughs) i 12 point font no, like yeah, it, no, it yeah. needed to be like a 24 point stroke or maybe even more than that. And it was it was just an insane amount. And I was like, no, 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 that can't be right. Yeah. And then it took me almost a full day to figure out because I just it just didn't even occur to me that they would be different. I just kept thinking I was doing the math wrong. And yeah. then finally, I figured out that like when you're a converting point- a stroke in illustrator to an actual measurement. Isn't it that related is, to pikas? Isn't that why it was the 72nd of an, like, isn't it something yeah. about that? Yeah. That's a remember. whole other episode of diving down all the strange <laughs> P worded, like words that start with P that are used as measurements. In print. Some are used in multiple situations, but mean completely different things. Drives Literally. me nuts. Yeah. Um, speaking of other words that start with P, I think we should discuss Pantone guides because they're very, very <laughs> important to the... <laughs> Wow, segue or what? Jesus, Christ. that was a unsubtle way. Unsubtle. I, I, that was impressive. That was really good. I really like mad lived that one. That was great. Okay, so yeah. Pantone guides. There's two versions that have formulas, and the formulas are what we use to mix our letterpress ink. And there are also formulas for CMYK. There are bridge guides that have hex codes. There's all different types, right? But there are uncoded and coded Pantone guides. And the reason you need to know the difference is because of these coded and uncoded paper stocks. So like we talked about, the ink absorbs differently, the light reflects differently, and different print methods work better on different ones. So the uncoded guide is specifically designed and printed so that you will see what that ink will look like on an uncoded paper stock. If you looked at the coded guide right next to it, that exact same Pantone number would look completely different because it's printed on a coded stock. So the there's a huge difference in how the color appears. So if you're a designer and not a letterpress printer and all you have is the coded guide, just know that when you get your letterpress prints and even if your printer matched it perfectly to the uncoded guide, it probably will not look like your coded guide. Um, yeah. And to account for that, you can kind of assume that anything 
you're looking at in your coded guide will be a little bit darker, a little bit duller when it's printed on an uncoded paper stock. So just kind of know that going forward. If you don't have an uncoded guide to look at, compare, um, ask your printer for you know suggestions if you want to try and match that one you have perfectly, uh, or if you're looking to match a particular envelope or something like that. You know, let them know. And um, yeah, super helpful. But just another another layer of nuance in the world of print. Um, another $200 guide that they want you to purchase. <laughs> also, yeah, okay. I have a little tidbit to add in here as well. So the Pantone guides are strategically sold. I feel like, I mean, I don't want to be accusatory, but the Pantone industry feels like a mafia to me. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of backing us into a corner here. Never go against the family. Never go against the family. The Pantone guides are sold in combination. Uncoded is a is one booklet, and then another booklet is coded. But from Pantone, you must buy them together. That's now, a somebody blew my mind the other day when they were like, "Oh, I picked up an uncoded guy from a dude who worked in like a different kind of printing, and he only needed the coded one." Yeah. So that was she me. picked I up. That. You did that? Yeah, I bought mine on eBay. But I feel like I just had this conversation like the you other day. You probably did someone. that with someone else, but I, I oh, did okay. the same thing. Okay, yeah, but you did was, that too. It was from okay. a design firm that only needed the coded ones. And like, yeah, yes. we all need to just band together. Band together. So here's here's the other thing. If you have done what I have done, Mariah didn't, but I, because <laughs> she was smart, <laughs> I went and I bought the shiny new one that has the said too. Go put your coded guide up on eBay. Go put it on Facebook Marketplace. Some other printer is out there hoping to find a deal for Wishing just the they didn't coded have to buy guide. both of them. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, if you don't need it, sell it because there is sell some it. poor creative soul out there wishing that they didn't have to pay the full price for whatever that thing is that they don't need. So and it's just you know, stupid. Why couldn't they? They're, so just... they're really so expensive. They're um, so expensive. They and and the reason I say mafia is because they like own color. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. everyone that you that you work with that you talk to, like they're gonna talk about a Pantone. They like have a monopoly on And they span across color. so many industries too. Like every industry that has to do with design and color, which is like every industry ever. Um, you know, like they have textile lines, they have, you know, like yeah. it just it's incredible. Um, I do also own like 90% of their products, uh, <laughs> their merchandise that they their sell. Merch so. is a, okay. Pantone's <laughs> merch is amazing. They are getting us at every corner. They're getting us yeah. because we need them. They're getting us because we want them. <laughs> like <laughs> They're getting us because they know our favorite colors. It's, and they, they pick, they don't know our favorite colors. They freaking pick our favorite yeah, colors. Yeah, they, they choose what our favorite color is going to be that year. Oh, it's so I true. never, ever liked pink. And then I saw like a Pantone ad that had like all their Millennial different things. Pink. Rose and now, quartz. Yeah. Rose quartz. And now pink is like, it's everywhere. It's my brand. It's my bedroom. It's my living room. It's my sofa. It's my everything. Like, it's your can't get away from it. right now. Thank you, Pantone. <laughs> this is coral, actually. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But the metal is like kind of the, the rosy. That's true. Anyway, That's anyway. true. All right. Well, let's there you talk have about it. letterpress. <laughs> no, let's for, real quick because I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have another thing for coded and uncoded. But we've said it already a million times that for letterpress, obviously, uncoded papers, and then for as far as the weights, 110 pound. If you're just going to do 
a kiss impression, you're good to go regardless, front, back, whatever. But if you're going to bite into a 110-pound paper, you need to know that the back of that sheet has to not be important to you. That usually means that the back of the sheet shouldn't have more information on it. So like a business card printed on 110-pound cotton should have very light impressions because – I, or otherwise the backside just needs to not have anything, yeah. but it's really like, it really bruises the back when you, when you bite into it. And then for the 220 pound, you can obviously get a deeper impression, but you're still going to show some stuff through because these uncoated cotton stocks have so much texture to the surface. And when you're slamming that thing into the press the backside is getting pushed down onto your smooth bed and yeah. then it's becoming smooth. So it's not perfectly intact, even though it may not have any raised surfaces, it'll have some variation in the texture. This is all just things that you kind of need to think about when you're selecting your text weight because, or your paperweight, because what the versatility of using both sides will come into play when you're selecting that paperweight. Yeah. And I mean, we all want to save as much as we can when we're trying to either quote for a client or, you know, make something of our own and saving the money to get 110 pound paper versus 220, which is essentially double. Um, you know, it's like, we all want to save that money, but sometimes 110 pound just isn't right for the project. Um, Double-sided is the perfect example of that, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to go with that double thick paper, um, aside from just wanting to, because it does give you a lot more room for impression. Like you can make a much deeper impression on 220 pound paper um, than you can on 110 just because of sheer amount of paper that's there to give way, you know, like, (laughs) so there are a lot of considerations and a lot of reasons why you'd want to consider that before you commit to one or the other. Uh, We did just have our amazing episode with Sharon from Press Paper Plus Print, and I recently did a job where I letterpressed on one side and digitally printed on the other, and it actually, like, it looked really great. So um, the thickness of handmade paper is usually denoted by GSM. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure how... Sharon exactly gets that way. In fact, we will ask her and maybe we'll put up in our stories um, an answer. Yeah. Yeah. The answer to that. But so I have noticed that on her website, she get she offers like a range now it's handmade. So it's not going to be exactly the same every time, but she knows that I love my paper really thick and I do. And I was astonished to find out that I could letter press a nice juicy bite onto it and the back was perfectly intact enough to do some digital printing looked phenomenal I'm super excited I might even use that for my own wedding like I might do something like that for my wedding because I loved it so much yeah do it do it hand the paper for everyone (laughs) (laughs) oh Mariah this was awesome thank you so much for untangling and all credit to you because you did all the heavy lifting of this research well you know we're a team here we some days it's me some days it's you that's just how it goes so go team go (laughs) go team yeah 
Um, yeah, that was great. I hope that everyone has a better understanding of paperweights now because I know that I do. Um, and I'm going to make a fun little graphic of these little weights so I can put it on Instagram and you can save it and then you can reference it whenever you want to. So that would be amazing. Yeah. Why not? You know, let's help our fellow people, our fellow paper people out. Um, so yeah, I'm going to make that little, uh, you didn't have to write it down if you didn't already. So, um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hopefully you learned something. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. If you've really enjoyed this episode, please uh, rate us. You could rate us five stars. That would be lovely. Or you could leave us a review. If you're on Apple, you could, like, type up some sweet little things for us to read. And Um, we'll scream with joy when you do, so. Yes, and we've been... (laughs) putting some of those reviews on our website which is so close to being done you guys so close it is the height of wedding season mariah and i are overwhelmed overwhelmed with print work but um we promise it's coming and we're really really excited and next week you're gonna get to listen to our episode with mark and madeline from the international printing museum and then drum roll please we're finishing off our first season of hot off the press with someone that julian and i have both looked up to for a long time um, long long time literally years um brit roar of swell press she's going to be on the podcast in this month and uh we're both super excited to have her on yay brit we're yay. so excited we are Can't so wait. so excited so if you've been listening we love you come on over to instagram hop into our dms let us know what you're thinking it's at hot off the press pod if you have any questions suggestions whatever you've got going on come on over into our dms yeah let us know if there's something you want us to ask brit and we'll be happy to pass it on to her um and otherwise we'd love to hear from you anyway if you have questions about letterpress or paperweights or something else we're here for you yay (laughs) all right that's it bye Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.